0: Thanks so much for watching our show. We really appreciate the support. It costs a lot to produce. So we're asking for donations and pledges here on Patreon. Thanks again. Welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. And I'm Dr. Brett. And today I'm here with Rafael Gomez. A martial artist and a mental game coach and a high end guide and mentor, an all around good guy. Because last week you had me on your podcast and I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for coming today.
1: Uh, my pleasure. And, and that was really nice words you said about me. <laughs> I, have to, I have to pay you? <laughs>
0: no, it's free. <laughs> uh, thanks. So, you know, really though, I had a great time with you. You know, I thought you were very good. You know, about staying in the moment and, you know, being really curious and even going a little bit deeper in the beginning, you know, asking a little bit more about my motivation for going into psychology and so on. So let's do something similar with you. You know, tell us about your, you know, how you got started in martial arts and, you know, why Kung Fu and, 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 you know, and some of the ways that you mentor and guide that might be unique compared to some of your peers.
1: Sure. So when I was, uh, I came, I came to the United States when I was around eight, three days before my eighth birthday. I spoke mm. no English whatsoever. Didn't even know what sounds I was listening to. <laughs> it was all extremely foreign to me. So I was in a situation where I had no understanding of anything that was going on around me. Uh, new country, new language. And for me, it was really interesting because I had no choice but to adapt really quick. So that was at the age of eight. By the age of 10, I was already speaking. I was running around. I had tons of friends. And one of my friends actually was heading out. We were all playing and he's leaving. And I'm like, where are you going? He said, uh, I got to go. And I'm like, well, where are you going? So I was very inquisitive. And uh, he said, I got to go see my dad. I'm like, oh, can I come? So when I get there, his dad is actually a sensei. And he was going for his lesson. So his dad questioned who I was and he said he wanted to come. So his dad is like, okay, let's train him too. So that started my journey and learning from someone. Prior to that, before I, I had that encounter with my friend's father, we were all just fighting and playing and rolling and throwing each other. We were actually grappling on the floor. And so... I trained with that gentleman for about six months and then he became abusive. He thought I was one of his kids uh, and uh, he, you know, it took it to the point where he actually, I was on my bike and uh, he just approached me. He took a magic mark and he wrote on my face. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Somehow I had the guts to say to him, don't ever come near me. If you touch me again, I will call the police. I don't know what overcame oh. me, but I guess I had the, the guts to do it. And from then on, I, I searched martial arts and eventually I found a place that was teaching in the basement of a school, I mean, of a church. So it was a school in the basement of a church. And it was by a guy who looked like Lou Gossett Jr., if you remember him. Yeah,
0: right? of course. And
1: Definitely. The less.
0: Officer a gentleman, right?
1: Absolutely. And he was a gentleman. But he was definitely a fighter. Mm. We used to train, I mean, puddles of, of around my... It was only two guys in my class that I remember who had puddles around them. And it was me and this other guy that I went to school with. And everybody else, they worked hard, don't get me wrong. But he and I were just like... We were smiling the whole time we were working out. The whole time. He had us fight in the dark. It was It was the most interesting most fun time and then from there I just kept progressing progressing eventually I created a a club in my house where I asked my dad if I can move my furniture out of the living room and the dining room it was all you know really mostly connected except by French doors and I brought in about eight eight to ten guys and we used to train every day and it was guys who were studying different styles so it was kind of cool because we all got to understand what each one of us were doing and that's where my martial arts journey started and and it's uh i've never stopped and mm. it's been just amazing that's and
0: fantastic and, and why kung fu you know tell us why kung fu
1: i just i kind of fell into it it wasn't necessarily a choice i mean my first was uh, uh, you know it was uh, japanese martial arts because the guy who trained me was a japanese martial artist and it was karate style. I don't know exactly the style, but I know it was karate because of, you know, the uniform he wore and everything. But later on, I just, you know, obviously we all knew who Bruce Lee was at that time. I used to go to the movie theater, not too far from my house. Every Saturday um, they had a matinee and we would go, my brothers and I would go and we would watch all these Kung Fu movies. And then later on, we also realized that on Channel 5, they had the Kung Fu movies, like Kung Fu Theater, and we used to watch those. And then <laughs> we, all, we all used to go and try to emulate that. And so Kung Fu really became a, a deep part of what I enjoyed. And so that's where what I seeked.
0: I love it. Now, you know, just as an aside, the and then we'll get more serious again or whatever, but did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Did you, you know, did, was that Kung Fu scene, you know, the Bruce Lee scene, believable, where the stuntman could kick his ass? <laughs> could Brad you know, Pitt really, you know, a really well-trained stuntman, could they actually do that, or was that just pure Hollywood? You know,
1: we don't know. We <laughs> aren't right? But, yeah. but here's the thing, you know, a lot of people think of Bruce Lee as like the, the most amazing martial artist yeah. and is it true or is that something that the media brought to us the you hype
0: know? like the legend the hype the Hollywood thing the money right the, exactly. and everything that comes with it right the marketing and so on
1: if he was alive today what would he be like you mm. know um, yeah don't get me wrong I mean he created his own style Jeet Kune Do, and you know, the fact that he was—he evolved from where he, he started and Ooh. he created this thing when he was laid, laid supposedly the story is when, when he was on his back, his broken back. He wrote this book in, in his hospital bed or at home in his back and in traction, actually. And when we think about all the martial arts greats in our world, in our current environment, how did they get there? They didn't get there because of, you know, fame, they got there because they worked. they trained. And that's what I look at in martial artists nowadays. I don't want to know what you did back 20 years ago. I want to know what you're doing now. Mm. To me, that's a real martial artist, right? Mm. So I train Mm. every day. So I don't know anything but training.
0: No, I love it. Um, and tell us about the mental game training that you do and that you do for your clients as well. You know, to, you know, how do you do, help people develop their focus and their concentration and their clarity and their coolness?
1: Well, a lot of it, when you think about it, if, if we can get the mind and body connection, mm-hmm. that's huge. Because in everything we do, there's that, especially in martial arts, if you're focused on what you're doing, You have that mental connection. You Mm -hmm. can't think about anything else. So when I talk to people about mindset, it's let's focus on what you have in front of you. What is there that you want to accomplish? And let's take everything and put it in front of us and really dive deep. What Mm -hmm. do you want to accomplish? Where do you want to go? And we can't live in what could have. We have to live in what should, what can we do? What is in our power, and how can we change our our trajectory? Mm-hmm. So you're dealing,
0: you know, pretty hardcore present moment time, right? You're sitting here going, you know, when you get someone new to train, you're orienting, you know, teaching them right in the in the moment to get in the moment right there. Um, how do you handle though when the their past starts to seep in? You know, how do you train them to sort of let that go, or move through it, or move beyond it? Talk to us about this sort of mental game training that you're doing constantly.
1: Well, one of the things is that, uh, you know, I have to. I ask them the question of, "Is what do you want to accomplish, mm-hmm. and what's holding you back?" Right. But so when people understand what's holding them back, and most of the time it's themselves, mm-hmm.
0: right.
1: So, you know, w- when we think about the mind, the mind is so complicated. And we allow all these negative thoughts to come in and we Mm -hmm. are living a lot of times in our past and our past may have had negative thoughts, but we have to start thinking and creating new positive thoughts. So every time I have someone in front of me, I'm trying to let them understand, Hey, you know what you just did. What do you think about it? What are your thoughts on it? Um, How is that going to improve you as a person? How can you take that further? So in thinking about what we're doing, what we want to accomplish, and setting goals, but realistic goals, that's key. Because a lot of people don't set up realistic goals. They they set up goals that they've seen other people accomplish. But I I, I, I let them know that it's not about the other person. It's about yourself. Mm. Mm. You always have to look within, right? So that's important. Yeah, fantastic.
0: And how do you address fear and in, and? In, in- in all its disguises talk to, walk us through fear and you know how it shows up in your life and how you handle it personally and how you handle it professionally
1: well w- when i think of fear it's a lot of people don't realize that this there's, there's a couple of different ways of seeing fear i mean if you have a, a ferocious animal chasing you that could be one kind of fear if you have a fear because you're afraid to ask for something That's a different type of fear. So the way I handle fear for myself is, what if I don't? What if I don't take that next step? What's gonna happen? So it's a self-evaluation that I do a lot. And for me to ask, I have to ask the questions of, is it the right time to ask? Is it the right person to ask? And why am I asking? So I take that, it no longer becomes fear but it's more of a question of is this the right timing because mm. a lot of times fear is based on timing you know if somebody's attacking you is is it fear that's holding you back from defending yourself or is it that you're not prepared to fight back so yes you get that adrenaline rush when someone is in your face right somebody's is attacking you and and they're going after you so you get that adrenaline and then is it how do we handle it? So how do we handle that fear that people call? And I, I call it a rush because it's it's how you handle every situation. And fear is basically something that we've been told you have to be afraid of things. We really shouldn't be afraid of anything because guess what? Life is short, <laughs> right? <laughs> so short. Should we live in fear or should we live in the moment and the opportunities that are presented? And we create our own opportunities. Sometimes they're presented to us and we can choose what we're going to do with them. So yeah, I lo- we talk I love about it. fear, yeah. right? Yeah. What are we really talking about?
0: yeah no i love it um you know and it makes me sort of wonder if your approach to covid might be slightly different than some of your peers that are more fear-based because it seems like your ability to handle and manage fear is you know pretty well developed
1: Mm. you know it it comes from all the adversity i've had i probably should be dead eight to ten times over
0: that many yeah. And that's, that's not just crossing the street because I know I've been almost killed about eight or 10 times. You know, I've driven cross country so many times and I've had so many, you know, near death experiences like literally, like you're driving cross country and some tractor trailer driver falls asleep or, you know what I mean? And swerves in your lane. I've had all kinds of experiences like that. Oh, yeah. Where they're just this close to over.
1: Yeah. I, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I've fallen when I was a kid. I've fallen, and I had a pipe go through, almost take my eye out, and I fell. It, it, your, it,
0: eye look, your eyes look good. I don't see any evidence of it. <laughs> right, it
1: scar, but, you know, if you see an old picture of me, I used to have to wear a patch on my opposite eye to strengthen the one that the, I almost lost my eye on. Mm, uh, that's I fast- felt,
0: fascinating. You know,
1: in Colombia, I think I was like two or three, and I fell from a second story. But over there, the stories were not short like here. They're like you know, 12, 14 feet high. So basically almost like from three stories I fell and it was in the the middle of a courtyard. And in the old days, they used to have those big tubs that they used to wash the clothes in. And that's where I fell in. Had that not been there, had I fallen three, four feet the other way, I would have been dead. So, and thank God it was water in it. The last thing I remember is hitting it, looking up and seeing red. (laughs) I think I woke up like three weeks later and <laughs> oh. so uh, I can't help was,
0: I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I'm I'm because remembering some of my near death experiences too. Okay. <laughs> but,
1: and I've had other falls like that. I've had falls where I had actually had to go as a kid. I had to go and have surgery. Wow. So, and another one about two years ago, my sister said, yeah, we were in, and we, I looked down and there's Raphael on the floor Like two stories down, and he's laying down. He fell through this thing. And I'm like, I remember that. And she goes, Yeah, yeah, you fell through. (laughs) That's hilarious. Another time, I mean, seriously, I've had a gun put to my head, knife, knife put to my throat. I've had um I I took a pill because I had broken ribs from doing gymnastics. And I had a, a a pill that I took in the morning. And then I got really deathly ill, and I called my doctor, and he said, just take some milk. So I took some milk. I mean, there was nobody home, and I was i was a teenager. And I'm listening to the news at that time, and I used to listen to the news when I was a kid, not anymore. And five people in the New York area died from taking the same exact pill. No way. Yeah, that's pretty five awful. People. And they took it off the market right away. And so mm. I've had so many experiences. Wow that it's taught me that I have guardian angels somehow, mm. and I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of not living. Yeah. So that's why I cherish every moment, you know? Wow. So when we think about life, it's beautiful. And, and, and so many people are not enjoying every minute that they can. Thanks for watching, See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett and stay
0: tuned for part two of this interview. Remember to like, subscribe, and share with a friend.